Hi folks, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for our online service. My name's Matt and today we're going to continue in our thematic series. I was going to say thematic theories, bit of a tongue twister <laughs> in our thematic series through the book of Romans where we're looking at some of the main key ideas uh, that come out of the book uh, of Romans. And today we're focusing actually on a major theme in Romans chapter 8. It's one of my favourite chapters in the New Testament is Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to ask the question, the key question that I'm going to ask today is how should I live? How should I live? So we're talking about the Christian life. What sort of life is the Christian life? How should we live this Christian life? It's actually remarkable how wrong we can get this. I know that from experience myself. Um, now in Romans, Paul contrasts two ways of living. Now the first one is often mistaken for the godly life, but actually isn't the kind of life that God wants us to live. The second is the life that God does want us to live. So the first is life lived by rules, by a code of conduct, living by the law. The second is life by the Spirit. Now, I don't want to cast too big a wedge in between those because life by the Spirit is still very much in accordance with the things envisaged in God's Word. Absolutely. But Paul presents these as quite different ways of living in terms of how we actually go about life, the sort of basis uh, upon which we live. The, in, in some ways, they might look the same in some respects, but he's really wanting to make a distinction between these two things. So he says, for example, in Romans chapter 7 and verse 6, Paul says, We serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Now this raises all sorts of questions. Um, for example, does this mean that there was something wrong with the written code? Uh, and Paul is at pains to say, no, no, uh, the law actually is important. The law shows us where we've gone wrong. It shows us where we go wrong. But we need much more than that to live the right kind of life. When we're kids, for example, our parents have to tell us to eat our vegetables and brush our teeth. But the goal is that we mature to the point where we develop a taste for vegetables and we want to go into our day with clean teeth and fresh breath, right? So it's not that the rules were bad that our parents were eating your vegetables and brushing. It's not that those rules were bad, but there comes a point where you need to transcend those, where those need to be internalized to the point where you move beyond the rules. That's the kind of thing that Paul is talking about here. So when he says that we no longer serve in the old way of the written code, he doesn't mean that the written code was bad. He means that we need to get to the point where we can embody the spirit of the written code. And we actually can quite literally. Now I'll get to this. But first, uh, a metaphor I think to, that I think will be helpful to underscore this idea uh, a little further. Uh, imagine an orphan. Imagine yourself as an orphan joining God's family, God's household. Okay, so you're an orphan that's lived out in the street, lived the life of the streets, and you are you are adopted into the family of God, into a household, great, this great mansion. Now you're used to living out in the streets, you're used to fending for yourself, 
uh, you're used to living in gangs, used to that culture, that lifestyle out there. But now you're living in a family, uh, in a house, part of a family business. You've got an identity, a purpose. And most of all, and this is the most important part, you have a relationship with a father who loves you and wants you to love him and his other kids as well. But see, none of this you're used to. You are instinctively attuned to a different way of living. So there's going to be a long learning process to attune yourself to this new way of life. You've got to internalize a new reality. So at first you're living in God's house, but still with the instincts and responses of the orphan, the street kid. So the father begins by writing up some basic ground rules to begin with. You know, respect me as your father, keep away from those old gang leaders, sleep in the bed I've given you, don't harm the other kids, don't lie and steal and so forth. He draws up this list of rules. And then there's more detailed rules. Don't devour all the cakes in the fridge. Don't put dirty feet on the couch. Don't leave your stuff around for people to trip over and so forth. Okay. Now, the first important fact about these rules is that, look, you don't earn your place in the household by keeping them. That's not the point. You've been adopted into this family, according to this illustration. Okay? You've been adopted into this family. That's unconditional. You only need to be willing to accept this and to stay. Now that's important, at least at first, because you're not going to do well at first in following the rules. In fact, the rules are really only going to highlight how abjectly dysfunctional you really are. But this fact doesn't cancel your membership as part of this family. It highlights, actually, how much you need help. And that's good because the father plans to give you that help. It's one of the main things that he wants to provide you. One of the main things that the father wants to do is to teach you to live a new kind of life. Not just a life within the rules, that's just the beginning. He wants you to live way beyond that. He wants you to function freely and effortlessly in the execution of the family business. He wants this new lifestyle to become second nature. Most of all, he simply wants you to enjoy living and walking with him as part of his family. He wants you to love him and the other kids and be passionate about reaching the other lost kids. So he wants you to move beyond the rules. Your life uh, isn't to be just about following the, those. If your life is just about following the rules, then you know, you've barely begun to be what the father wants you to be. Okay, now all illustrations fall short, of course, but this is something like what God wants from us. I remember in uh, the first time I went to Israel and I was in Jerusalem, had the opportunity to have a discussion with a Jewish rabbinic student. And this uh, student uh, was explaining all of the intricacies of the laws um, that they follow and how they, and there's a lot of discussion that they have. Uh, about these laws and uh, for example he was telling us about the Sabbath laws and how you know there's a lot of discussion about how to implement that in different situations and and so in Israel for example in the hotels they have uh, Sabbath elevators uh, because um, for uh, for these uh, people they 
feel that you're not meant to work on the Sabbath. And so they've broken that down to even the point where pushing uh, the, you know, the stop, you know, even the floor buttons in an elevator is considered work. And he was telling us how, you know, he was in another country where they didn't have a Sabbath elevator and they got into the elevator and they actually, him and his wife on the Sabbath, they had to actually wait until someone got in at their floor. So they went up and down, up and down. They had to wait until someone got in at their floor to actually so that they could get out of the elevator because they didn't want to push the button. Now, of course, I mean, I don't want to... Um, uh, I don't want to cast reproach uh, on that necessarily, I, that for him, uh, it's important that we don't caricature that because, and, and I said to him, I said, man, don't you, doesn't that just seem, uh, like to, to us that just seems really kind of legalistic and, uh, you know, so it was a good honest conversation and he said, well, actually for us, you know, it's, it's, it's about a principle, we're living by a principle here and, and if you, you know, we, we believe that we're doing this out of respect for God, so it isn't, it's, it's a, it's a, expression of our respect for God that you know we we're going to draw the lines uh, you know as um, you know we, we we're going to lift the bar as high as possible so to speak anyway and so it was very interesting conversation um, but then uh, someone asked I was in a small group of people having this discussion and one of the other Christians asked him uh, to tell us about your relationship with God and the res his response was interesting. He said, well, I don't really have a relationship with God as such. Uh, I live my life out of respect for God, uh, which is why we follow uh, these rules. But I don't feel like I, that there's, a, there's a personal relationship as such. In fact, he didn't even think that that was sort of the goal. And as he explained this, I felt actually really sad about this. And, and, and it reminded me of this New Testament context and what Paul in Romans particularly is pointing to. He's actually saying what God really wants isn't the life that we just follow rules. That's not actually what God is looking for. He is actually looking for us to have a personal, close personal relationship with him. So, uh, you know, it, it can seem so right actually, and I think um, a lot of Christians fall back to this, uh, this kind of living by the code um, you know, people talk about, you know, we, we need to, as though our highest mission as Christians was to is to stand up for what is right. Uh, you know, in, in this scenario, then Christians appear as kind of the moral police of the world. A mission is all about standing up for what is right and denouncing what's wrong. You know, we're living by the code, right? Well, not really. It's not that we, you know, there, there's God's law is good and it has a role, but we don't, we don't live by the law, we live by the Spirit. This is what Paul uh, wants to talk about. Now, there's a couple of reasons why, before I go and talk about living by the Spirit, there's a couple of really important reasons why just living by a code of, of ethics uh, is, is, is not enough, why it's not enough. And one of the main reasons is because life is just too complex. I mean, uh, the Jewish people, particularly in the, in the rabbinic tradition, this was the case in the first century, they would, because even, you know, even, I mean, goodness, if life was complex for them, you know, I think life is so much more complex today in the modern world. And, uh, but they, you know, in their situation, they had to find, an, uh, you know, a law for every kind of situation. What about this situation? And, and then they would construct a law for that. And then, but what if this changes? Then they have another, and you have these enormous volumes of rabbinic writings that cover all sorts of different scenarios. And, uh, and so there was a kind of a law for everything. Well, 
The thing is, you just can't cover all of the complexities of every life circumstance. And, and, and then, you know, when you're in a circumstance, you just got to be racking it, oh, now what's the law? What are the rules here? Uh, it just isn't realistic for us to be, you know, have a law for every circumstance. Um, because there are many circumstances that we face where there is layer upon layer upon layer of complexity and where you just can't apply rules and, and it, you know, situations where almost everything that you do is going to look kind of compromised. And we are actually called to get involved. I mean, if we, sure, if we withdraw from the world and live in some kind of pristine, what we might think is pristine enclave, uh, maybe, but if you want to get involved in the world, and we are meant to get involved in people's lives and walk beside people, um, not be of the world, but certainly be in the world and, uh, and to be uh, part of the, you know, our local community involved in life, man, it's going to get complex and living by the rules, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just going to get too complex uh, for that. So I think this is another reason why Paul wants us to live out of uh, an inward disposition, to live by the Spirit is going to form in us the character that is going to allow us to respond to the uniqueness of each situation in a way that is in tune with what God wants to do in that circumstance. Uh, so in a sense, in those circumstances, we're not relating to rules. What are the rules? I've got to stand up for what is right in this circumstance. That's actually not the mission, standing up for what is right. I mean, whoever said that was the mission? No, our mission is to reach out to people and love people in Jesus' name and, you know, and to be a witness to the gospel. And I tell you, you know, that's going to get us involved in some really complex situations. Now, due to the complexity of life, some people actually uh, make the mistake of just giving up on the ideals of God's word altogether. Well, life is complex and it seems to clash with the ideals of God's word, so they just throw out the ideals. That also isn't the answer in this situation. Um, so I think we need to get better at living responsively, not to a law, but responding to what God wants to do in that circumstance. I'm going to say more uh, about that. Uh, in a moment. One of the other problems with a rule-centered way of living though is that it inevitably becomes too much about you. The more you focus on a moral code, the more it becomes about your moral achievements, about you being right. Um, it's about you adopting the right theoretical position, you know, taking your stand. But life isn't about theoretical positions, life is about mission. God wants you to live to bless others. But this kind of moralism just causes you to distance yourself from others. Like in Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18, where the, where the tax collector's you know, beating his chest and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a, you know, a sinner. And he's crying out to God. And, 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 but you've got the Pharisee standing off at a distance saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that terrible sinner there. You know, and, and Jesus doesn't want us to be like that, separating ourselves and, and, and moralizing about people. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, we see Jesus kind of breaking all of these rabbinic rules. You know, he's constantly crossing those lines, getting involved in people's lives. He's going to their parties. You know, he came from this pristine heaven to hang out with sinners. To, to seek and to save what is lost. So we went to their parties, parties with corrupt businessmen and prostitutes. Can you imagine 
what people thought. This guy's meant to be a holy man. And yet he's going to these parties of corrupt businessmen and prostitutes by association. They said, you know, they said, Jesus, people, you're getting a reputation for being the friend of sinners. And I think Jesus was okay with that because he came to seek and to save what is lost. And he knew that to get involved in people's lives, you know, you've, you, 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 you're wading into complexity there. And we need, to get, we need to get better at that. Not compromising the truth, uh, but recognizing the complexity. And so a rule-centered way of living it just isn't going to get us there. So in summary, the law of God is good. Of course it is. It has a purpose, but ultimately it must be transcended. Not that we break God's law, but the heart of the law needs to be internalized. And we must move beyond moralism, move beyond being moral to being fruitful. Now, this move was always part of the plan. In Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, verse 33, Jeremiah prophesies about this new covenant period uh, when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon God's people to empower them to be in the complexity of life, to empower them to be his ministers. And Jeremiah says from verse 33 of Jeremiah 31, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now, he's not saying there won't be any teaching, but he's saying that there will be a deeper kind of knowledge, that I'll put my spirit into their hearts and they will, they will know me. It won't be just about observing external codes. Actually, you will share the very dispositions of God. You'll share the very passions of God as he uh, joins his spirit with your spirit in unity and you live your life in relationship. Okay, so this is... This is uh, this is about becoming a healthy tree. According to Jeremiah, this is what's going to make you a healthy tree that bears the right kind of fruit. You cannot become a healthy tree just by taping plastic fruit on the end of the branches. I mean, it might look the same, but it's actually not the same. And this is Paul's point. Just by following rules, it might look the same, but it's not the same. It's like plastic fruit just taped to the end of branches. You see, God wants to give life to the tree, you see. He wants to give life to the tree so that we bear the right kind of fruit in every circumstance. So that in that very complex circumstance that you're going to go into, uh, that's going to look like compromise. People are going to say, oh, he shouldn't be going to, or he shouldn't be part of, or he shouldn't be, he should be standing back and standing up for the truth and protesting against what they're doing wrong. No, no, but you're going to get in there and you're going to bear the right kind of fruit in that circumstance because the Spirit of God is in you and He wants to reach those who are lost. That's what living by the Spirit involves. So this is the new way of the Spirit. This is where Paul goes in Romans chapter 8. He says, but you are not, this is reading from the NLT from verse 9. I encourage you to read the whole chapter, uh, by the way, but this is just a snippet from verse 9, Romans 8. He says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them uh, do not belong to him at all. So if you have said yes to Jesus and you have invited Jesus into your heart, he comes into your heart by his Holy Spirit. 
This is what Paul is talking about. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you, he says. So though, even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life. This is the tree coming to life to bear the right fruit. The spirit of God um, who raised Jesus from the dead, verse 11, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So we've got, you know, the sinful nature is there still wanting to pull us back. Sinful nature will always undermine our best efforts to keep the law. You know, the fruit will always be rotten inwardly. So the spirit of God makes the tree healthy to bear truly good fruit. So he says there, we have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges us to do. We have another option. There's a, there is the very passion of God within us so that we can choose something different. Verse 13, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. That's the dictates of the sinful nature. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God, all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. This is the kind of life that he wants us to live. There's a beautiful simplicity uh, about this. Beautiful simplicity about this. This is the, the freedom of the Christian life. The love of God is within you. We, the Spirit of God is within us. And it's very important that we, that we get to know God, that we work with what the Spirit of God wants to do within us and through us. And this is a relational process. Your relationship isn't with uh, just an external code. Your relationship is with the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Now, part of um, developing that relationship with God who lives within you is actually getting to know God's Word, internalizing. If you are really serious about listening to God, what God is saying to you, as I've said so often, you need to listen to what God has already said. If you're not, if you're not, really getting to know what God has already said through his word, then, you know, we, we're not really going to understand what God is saying. So part of developing this relationship is internalizing God's word. Not as, not as a law that we, you know, as a list of laws that we follow. No, but as a way of developing the relationship because it's the move of God's spirit within you, living by spirit, living by his spirit, living in love for God and other people allowing yourself to see other people as God sees them. That love will lead you to act in God's stead in that circumstance, to be Christ in that circumstance with all of its complexity, right? With all of its complexity. And we need to be getting involved in situations for all, you know, with, no matter how complex they are. So this is a relational thing. The Spirit of God dwells within you. And this is something that we need to learn uh, and we need to build. And it's relational through worship, through prayer, through internalizing God's Word, listening to what God is saying to you in every circumstance. Not thinking, oh, what's the law? What's the rule here? Uh, you know, I, don't I need to be standing up for what's truth in, it's true in this situation? No, you need to be the truth in that situation. And that means being Jesus in that situation and living like Jesus. And it often looked to people from the outside like Jesus was compromising the truth. They thought that he should be standing outside those parties, you know, waving a banner and disapproving and, and, and making a statement standing up for truth. No, but Jesus went in there. He got involved in the complexity. And he was God with us. 
And we are called as people filled with the Spirit to represent Jesus, to be Jesus in all of the complexities of life. And so in that sense, we fulfill the very Spirit of the law. That is the way that God wants us to live. That is the beautiful simplicity of the Christian life. God says, love me, get to know me, get to know my word, my will, get to know my heart, internalize it, love me, and then go out and love people. It's as simple as that. Just go out and love people with my love and be Jesus in the midst of the world. That is how we're called to live. Mm -hmm.